Well, you've done it. You finally reached the bottom of the barrel of podcasts, a place where stupidity meets insanity meets a microphone. Your host, a man who is, well, you'll just have to judge for yourself as he takes you through the wasteland of society, history, politics, sports, commentary, pop culture, and all of its modern depravity. Don't turn back now. You're at Dane Bramage. Good luck and Godspeed. Hey guys, welcome back to the What the Hell Happened series. Uh, this is going to be episode three. This is going to get us into 9-11, uh, some events afterwards, uh, early 2000s. We kind of left off at the 2000 election going into 9-11. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to talk about this stuff and how, you know, it shaped our country. And I still think it's some wounds that haven't healed totally yet with us. Uh, definitely gave us a new enemy we if they weren't already um and you know propel this into getting into a lot of wars and a lot of situations that our foreign policy really still isn't clear on what we're doing exactly um anyways uh so listen thank you so much for listening i really appreciate it please share this podcast with as many people as you can uh, I am trying to get it at least to a hundred listeners right now. Right now I'm at, you know, a grand total of, uh, let's see here. I carry the one 20. Um, so but that's, uh, that's on Spotify. I need to get a hundred listeners on Spotify and then some good things can happen. So please listen to this on Spotify. If you've not listened to it on Spotify. And, um, also, you know, if you're looking to do this yourself, man, I cannot, I cannot recommend anchor podcast app uh for making podcasts more they i couldn't i couldn't recommend them anymore because that it's it's fantastic it's very 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 easy they make it really easy on people to to to, uh make a podcast and uh it's fantastic and it's allowing me to live my dream and you know i'm not there yet but i will get there i promise you guys these episodes will get better after the series um there's a lot more to it unfortunately um but after this series, I'm going to kind of shy away from the, the history stuff, maybe get into some more comedy, um, a little bit more, you know, like, uh, do some more episodes with Anton and, um, you know, try to make it a little bit more funny, a little bit more pop culture centered and get into some sports, man. I love sports. Um, so anyways, uh, thank you for listening. And you can always go visit me at the Facebook Dane Bramage podcast page. Uh, don't forget to go there. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, if you have any advice, any, uh, requests, please, please, please leave it. Um, also you can go to Dane Bramage 2023 at gmail.com and you can always leave me a message there or leave me an email if you need to talk to me. So, and, uh, if you're a millionaire, uh, I will definitely <laughs> get right back to you. <laughs> so, uh, um, Anyways, thank you very much, guys. Uh, Love all you guys, and thank you for listening. And here comes episode three in the What the Hell Happened series. All right, and we're back. And you probably have noticed the uh, audio quality has gotten worse. Um, Only I could do such favors for you guys, right? Um, Anyways, we're in my office, I guess. Uh... My other one, you have the studio, which is a garage, and the office, which is my truck. And these are like the two places I can call my own in this life. Uh, 
See, I'm married. I'm happily married. Happily married. Happily married. Unless, you know, Selma Hayek's listening. But, oh! <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, no, um, so, yeah, I mean, this is my little, my little area, my little sanctuary. It's the only place I can be messy. No one can tell me to clean or it's dirty or anything. I don't really care. Like there, there has not been a human being in that passenger seat in quite a long time. Um, and that's fine. That's the way I like it. The only passenger I have is my cooler. Hi, cooler. Cooler never talks back. Cooler just you know, is there and it supports me and it gives me what I need. My, my cold beverages throughout the day. And that's, that's all I, that's all I ask from people, man. Just give me what I need and try not to give me a hard time, you know? Um, but that's a lot to ask, Uh, especially in this day and age where everyone seems to think that you have to be perfect at all times, even though, even though we're just, screaming towards mediocrity at all points, right? Like we're, we're just, we're just, we're just, our standards have gotten so low. Like, you know, I remember like reading articles and stuff like that growing up, even, even just a few years ago. Right. And the editor would actually check the spelling or check the punctuation. And look, I'm not saying I look good God. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I even know how to put a period in the right place. Okay. But I'm just saying, if it's my job to write, if it's my job to be an editor, nonetheless, nonetheless, dude, at least check it. At least check, no one's, no number one, barely anybody's reading that crap, okay? Print is dead, okay? And even if it's on the internet, it's still, most things are just niche at this point. You know, if, if, you're, if you're reading a sports section, it's because you're in the sports. It's not because you're... Stumbled on, stumbled upon it because you're reading the New York Times. I mean, it's it's completely different. So our standards, okay. I think I yeah I've said this in other episodes, but um, I have worked with or worked for or whatever someone that used to compete in uh, beauty pageants. I'd like to have them on at some point um, because I think that you know our standard look. I, I get it. All women are beautiful and they are, and they are. Look, everyone's got their own definition of beauty. It's not like, you know, I know nowadays everybody say, well, there's some kind of arbitrary, you know, uh, made up, uh, word beauty. You know, what is it? What is truth? That's, that's going to be the next episode me and Anton do is what is truth? Um, I say truth is found in the Bible. I say that there is truth. And there is a lie or false. There's true and false, okay? There is nothing in between. You can't be right and wrong at the same time. And there is no such thing as your truth. Because your truth can be a straight-up lie. Just because you believe it to be true does not mean that it's true. I don't care how you perceive it. The world is not yours, number one, okay? That, see, that, that, would, that would go on the premise of... The world is yours to do with. The world bends to your reality, right? Now, you have a personal reality, which is the bubble you live in, but that doesn't mean that everyone else bends to that reality, okay? There, 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 there is a reality, 
which is what the world is every day. You wake up an alarm clock, you go to bed. What, during that time frame, that is the reality that you live in. I don't care if you feel like, oh, well, my reality says that I'm actually a chicken and I'm going to go live on a farm and peck the fucking shit off of the goddamn food. No, 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 because you'll die. Okay? When you're not living a truth, it leads to death. And that can go in uh, many ways. That could go to spiritual death, okay? Um, and that can also go to real death. If you're not living by the truth of what actual reality is, true reality, then, yeah, it's pretty easy to die. Because I can get up one day, not put my clothes on, okay? Just go outside butt-ass naked and just start walking around, right? And... Eventually, someone's going to come by and say, what in the hell are you doing? And, hey, in my reality, I don't give a shit what you say. I'm just going to keep on walking, right? No, dude, like, you can't do that. Like, because someone's going to shoot your ass eventually when you get close to their kids, okay? Um, this, this, this notion that reality is so many different things. And, and that, you know what that concept's from? The friggin' internet, okay? The friggin' internet has changed our perception of reality. And you have people that are on the computer literally all day long, Okay, all day long from the time they get up to the time they go to sleep. Now, I'm just as guilty, folks. I love to be on my phone. You ask Twan, man. Ask Twan. Doesn't matter if I'm working to I have my earbuds in. Uh earbuds, beats by Dre. Okay, good stuff. Very good earbuds. Very good earbuds, by the way. Incredibly good sound. Um, you know, I always wanted to try those ones that Ray J put out. Raycon. Uh, God, I remember seeing so many freaking commercials for that on YouTube uh, over the years. But anyways, um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm on my phone, all t- especially now doing a podcast, man. I'm really on my phone. Hell, I'm on my phone right now, you know. Um, but I'm really on my phone a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, hold on just a second. You a cup of the job. Oops, swig of the job. Hold on. <laughs> Sweet mother's milk. Um Anyways, uh, so yeah, you know, the internet has really, really screwed that up, but let's backtrack. Let's go back to what I was talking about originally. And you know what, folks, I'm really going to try to wrap this up because this is getting kind of goofy and I'm going all kinds of different places, you know, it's hard being me to try to explain something because I can really get off on so many different rants. You know, God bless my parents for making me the opinion, opinionated person I am, my family. And if you think I'm bad... If you think I'm bad, man, oh man, I ain't got nothing on my Aunt Lisa. Lisa, this is out to you, honey. I, I love you, Aunt Lisa. You're, if there's anybody in the family, <laughs> if there's anybody in the family that reminds me of me, boy, it's you. Um, and she is definitely, definitely, definitely the opinionated one in the family. And, you know, I, of course, me and her had a very special connection from the time I was a baby. Um, and I love you and I love all my family. Anyways, so back to, back to the lecture at hand. Okay. So now we're at nine 11. It's nine 12. I'll tell you what folks, Twas never a more beautiful day in America than nine 12, 2001. We were united hand in hand, arm in arm, every house were putting flags up, trucks, cars, flags up. It was a day to be proud to be an American. 
Didn't matter what, it did not matter your color, creed, sex, gender, what, everyone was flying that flag. And my God, Joe Rogan talks about it too. A lot of people talk about it. A lot of people that like are in the, you know, 40 to 50 year old, 60 year old range. Remember it like it was yesterday. It was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day in this nation's history, man. We were united. United in our pain, our suffering, and our grief, yes. But we were also united in in anger. And that's, that's the only We were angry. We were pissed. You know, how dare you attack... You, you attack a non-military target. You know, how dare you? You, you attack a civilian target. And... and I don't understand why leftists never understand that. It's not like they attacked a, a freaking military. They didn't attack Pearl Harbor. That's one. And it's terrible. But it, they they attacked a civil. They attacked people going to work. Well, you know what? They're just the center of capitalism. And that's the stuff that was destroying their country. It's like, shut up, man. Quit it. You know, we have these people that love to sympathize with evil. Well, Jeff, evil's just an, another one of those arbitrary things like beauty. and the, These are just words that are made up by, you know, by people with power. Shut the fuck up. How would you feel if your kids were being like, you know, you, you can see it on American Sniper. And these things did happen, folks. These aren't just like supervillain or, or super or comic book uh, supervillains, man, where, you know, the drills are being put into children's heads. These are how these people instill fear in these villages, okay? It's true. It's not It's not something... It, you know, people act like it's some kind of boogeyman's that we make up. No, these fuckers are mad evil, okay? Mad evil. They want the destruction of the world. You want to see some real evil fuckers, man? Go talk to a 12-er in Iran, okay? The ones that are waiting for the 12th imam. And ask them what needs to happen to have a 12th imam actually rise up. And it's nothing but blood and fire for the entire world. Okay? So, you know, it, it's, it's, I mean, some of these fuckers are, unspo- straight up, man, straight up. Some of these Islamists are unspooled, as to take a quote from Charlie Wilson's war. I mean, they're, they're really unhinged, man. They're, they're out there, dude. They're like, I don't know what, I don't know if dad didn't hug them. Probably not. A lot of those, you know really mean fathers over there. Don't do that. Uh, not to mention you've probably seen your mother get beat the crap out of just for, I don't know, the fact she was a woman and she's nothing more than like a possession dog at best in some of those countries. So yeah. Oh no, you're, you're, you're an Islamophobe. Well, let me ask you something, my good friends. Did... (laughs) No, you know what? I'll save that. I'll save that one for after all the craziness starts to happen. So, 912, we're united. We're united. We're arm in arm, man. The flags are popping up everywhere. You know, um, it was it was a beautiful, like, I would say it was about a month where that was really, like, or that was really the theme. You know, even, like, God, watching the World Series that year, I don't think there was an American that didn't watch that World Series. And it was epic. Now, as a Yankee fan, bad, bad juju. Um, Didn't like how they lost that one in seven games. Uh, But the Diamondbacks played better, and they deserved it, okay? Um, I think the Yankees kind of, at that point, like they had won three World Series in a row. This was their fourth that they were at. Um, You know, five and six years. I think they just kind of rested on their laurels and expect... It's kind of like the the 19... What was it? uh, When Bill Mazeroski hit that uh, home run. I think it was like the... 
1960 World Series or 62? It's the one where the Pirates and the Yankees played, and Bill Mazeroski hit the home run in the ninth inning to win the World Series. It's kind of like what that was. It's like they kind of just, they're at the end of the dynasty, and they were just kind of saying, ah, you know, it'll happen. We'll, we'll make it happen. You know, Derek Jeter hits that walk-off or that hits that home run to, to end the game. Uh, Mr. November. Um, and I love, man, Derek Jeter. Mwah! Overrated my ass. You know what? Here's the funny thing. Overrated. Everyone, Derek Jeter's overrated. He was a terrible feel. Dude, you would love to have this guy on your team. There is not an MLB team. That if someone said, hey, Derek Jeter wants to come there, they would have not rolled out the red carpet for the man, okay? So don't give me that. Boston would have loved to have Derek Jeter, okay? I, I don't care who you are. I would have loved to have Derek Jeter. So that's a bunch of horse shit. Um, sorry for all the cursing, folks. This is what you get when it's like 2 in the morning. Anyways, um, mm. ah, fuel. Uh, so... It's a beautiful World Series. And uh, Yankees lose. And then we all get back to work, you know, for a time. Every day, you know, the stock market was suspended for a minute. The, the, you know, flights were grounded. George W. Bush, man, looks like, I mean, he, this guy looks like a for real, pre- I mean, he shined, man, in that moment. That was, he, that was his moment, man, as a great president. His approval ratings were sky high. Um, he goes to ground zero. I mean, some, I don't know. I, you know, I'd like to say every other president would have done that too. I really would have. Again, like, I think you're supposed to respect the office and respect, respect what it is and that they're the figurehead of our country. Um, so I'd like to think, I would like to think that every president would have gone and done that same stuff. I'm not sure. I hope so, but I don't know. Um, I'd like to think Al Gore would have done that, you know, uh, John McCain, I pretty sure would have. Um, but anyways, so, and another thing I remember, it's, it's kind of like, maybe it's one of my few, I don't know. I don't know who else kind of remembers this, but I remember that song by the band live comes out and I think it was called overcome. It's a beautiful song. God, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm getting chills. Uh, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> if I was by myself and no one's listening, I'd probably be, and I, you know, I, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, so it's a song. It's beautiful. You should listen to it. Um, and like the, the chorus is I am overcome and I am overcome and I'm, you know, and, and the video comes out and it's got, it's got 9-11. It's got the scenes from 9-11 in New York. Oh, yeah. Um, and they don't show these things anymore. And I get, they don't want us to be angry at the Middle East anymore. I get it. I understand. You know, they don't want us to be on this eternal war footing. Cause we, we do, we did that for a long time, you know, But it was beautiful. And uh, I remember being in a... Was, we were going to go play this football game. Me and some friends. Touch football. Out at the park. 
September 15th, I think, or maybe September 6th. I don't even, I don't even remember, honestly. It might have been a month later. I don't remember. Yeah, because we were all, like, in, like, warm clothes, so it's probably, like, November. But we all go over to the park, and this song is on the radio. I just remember, like, I don't know, man. I just remember listening to it and thinking about things. Just about where we were as a nation. But, you know, we, we had this, like, it, it was like this, I don't know, it was whatever was dead was revived. It was this feeling of, um, like, we all had a mission to do better. We, we were going to do better as a country. We were going to be, we were going to protect ourselves better. Our military was going to go out and get the bad guys. And we were going to, you know, our, our president sit there and said, you know, go shopping. Go out on a vacation. So, yes, sir, we're going to go out. We're going to go shopping this Christmas. We're going we're gonna to do it up, man. We're going to do it up Big Willie style. You know, we're just going to, we're just going to hit it up, man. Uh, get that credit card out, baby. Get that, get that boat going, baby. Get that TV Take that vacation. Here we go. Max that credit card out. Get another one while you're at it. Hell, take a second mortgage out on that damn house. What the hell's your problem? You can take a line of equity out on that, baby. How's the market's ever going to go down? Only goes up. Ha-ha! It's 2001. We're seven years away from a recession. Don't worry about it. So. Um. So... We're going and going and going and going. In the meanwhile, our... I will say this, as a political unity, as political unity goes, I got to see the Senate and Congress... Might just been the Senate. I don't remember. I really don't remember. Uh, but they all were standing... I, I don't remember what the building was where they're standing. But they were all together, all parties together singing God Bless America. Oh, I think I just busted. Um, oh, what a moment. What a moment. You had Hillary Clinton. You know, you had, yeah, I think Trent Love. I mean, like you had all these right wingers and left wingers singing God Bless America. Holy monkey nuts. Oh, you know, Dick Army was there. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a beautiful moment, man. That was a ha. Uh, could it happen today? Could something? This is where I go to on this one. So, hold on. Do we, in fact, need a war? It's a good question. What? What is going to actually unify us again? This, this nation, see, I, I believe one of the reasons we were so patriotic for such a long stretch of time is we had this thing where we had a war every 20 years. Now, I don't know if that was on purpose. I, you know, whatever, whatever. You make your arguments both, you know, for and against, right? So, excuse me. Um, we had, every 20 years we had a war from about, well, really since like, the Mexican-American War, 1840s, 1860s. We start having, you know, uh, Indian Wars, you know, the, against the Sioux and the Co the, the Dakota. Um, you know, it's uh, all these moments. And we had the, the war against the Spanish Empire, you know, in the Philippines, Cuba, Cuba. Um, 
Yeah, what good that did us. Um, and then you have World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, and kind of that's where it slide. Well, and Korea. See, that's such a. It's so crazy. They call that the Forgotten War. Look what I just did. <laughs> you know, I hate saying that because because like you know, there's a many a folk that died in that war, but it is the Forgotten War. It's our first test against the communists. And MacArthur comes in there, man, we're kicking ass, dude. And then, you know, the Chinese roll down on us with a million freaking soldiers. And we go back to the, the dividing line. MacArthur says, hey, bring out the nukes, man. If we're going to play like this, let's play hard. Was that the right call to not do it? Could it have been, could the communists been put in their place if we actually rolled out the nukes and let them have it? Because at that point, we were starting to develop tactical nukes. Nukes that could be used on a battlefield. So, I don't know. Ah, oh, man, that's a good question. Um, it could have led to a, a, a devastating um, worldwide war. I, I, who knows? Who knows, man? Who knows? You know? Who knows? I could have gone a different way. I think, you know, Truman, the cooler has prevailed. Um. So, yeah, and then, you know, Eisenhower, I believe it was Eisenhower wrapped it up. And then we get into Vietnam. We get into the Iraq War, one. A couple, you know, Grenada, a couple things in the 80s. Terrorist attacks, Beirut. Uh, we have the Iranian hostage crisis. But we typically had a foreign entanglement of some sort Every few years, that kept us kind of like with us and them, us and them, us and them, us and them. There's us and then there's them. You know, the bad guys. You know, you had the communists, you had the mullahs, you had, you had those types, the revolutionaries. Pretty much, you know, you had... The, while our time of, of really rising to the top, you also had the rise of the third world revolutionaries that were kicking off. You know, the, the colonialism was ending and, you know, typically to defeat these colonialists you had to have some pretty rabid revolutionaries and and that's what you had that's what you had and you know we weren't really standing for third world revolution so guess what the communists were stepping and saying yeah i'll take that mantle you know the sad thing is it's ho chi Minh actually came to us first before he went to the russians for help you know ho chi Minh in vietnam actually came up to us and said hey we're you know, this is like 1776 to us, you know, I mean, we're just trying to do the same thing, and so no, 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 the French said they might go into the communist camp, which I doubt they would have, come on, man, give me a friggin' break, you're gonna, that's, that's the biggest crock of shit ever, um, but it was a legit threat at the time, so, <laughs> this is why this takes so long, man, I get off on all these little rants, um, so back to, us here now um so you have this patriotic zeal that's been bubbling and bubbling and bubbling for years you're getting out of the apathy of the 90s the era of bad feeling and uh well it was the era of good feeling too um but we slide into what are our lawmakers doing under our noses? And we, we knew about it. It's not like it was in secret or anything, but because we were so raw, raw, yeah, whatever laws you want to pass, man, do it. You know, get the president all the power. And we still do that crap today, folks. We've been on this ride for too long. 
Stop giving the damn president all the freaking power. And it's so funny. Both parties, every freaking president, all we do is bitch about it. Oh, give a bunch of all this power. He's turned into a dictator. And then all of a sudden it goes to Obama. Oh, you're giving him all this power. He's turned into a dictator. It's going to be a malice revolution. And then all of a sudden it goes to Trump. Oh, you did Adolf Hitler. And then you go to Biden. Oh, my God. That's another left-wing totalitarian government. I mean, it, you know, if you set a precedent, the next guy's going to do the exact same thing because power does corrupt, folks. I don't care who it is. Like, we've had about, I don't know, four men in office that didn't get corrupted by it completely. You know, I, I'd say Abraham and, oh, here it comes. Oh, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, he, 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 uh, he uh, denied habeas corpus. You know, um. Yeah, Jefferson Davis did it actually before Abraham Lincoln. So it wasn't all, it, it was a civil war for God's sakes, folks. Come on. Think about it in, in reality. Think in realistic terms. It was a civil war, okay? Half the country had broken off. Yeah, I probably would do a lot of worse things than Abraham Lincoln, believe me. Believe me. He was having to deal with incompetent generals. He had to deal with people that were in the uh, opposition party, literally like saying that we should let this half of this country just slide off. So, anyways, um, they're passing things like the Patriot Act. We go into Afghanistan. Um, and, uh, I was going to call him Adolf Hitler. Eh, close. Uh, Osama bin Laden slips away under our nose. Oh, yeah, the, um, Al-Qaeda, yeah. They're, 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 the, they're the guilty party, right? Um, all of our, you know... Intelligence shows that it was Al-Qaeda that perpetrated this. Um, so, Osama bin Laden in Afghanistan slips away from us, crosses the border in Pakistan, and we can't find him for the next 10 years. <laughs> you know, some people say he's in Pakistan, some people say this. A lot of people actually, around like January of 2002, February, were saying that he was dead. You know, that was kind of like the right-wing thought. Oh, he's dead. You know, well, if, you know, if, if he's not if he, if he's not showing himself, he must be dead. Okay, whatever. Um, so, we're at war. Our nation is on war footing. The airports, man, were spooky stuff. I mean, I went to go see my mom in Virginia. In December of 2001 for for uh, New Year's. And let me tell you what, man. Going through an airport, you got a sense of what this war was all about. Okay? Like, we weren't messing around no more. It, it, the, 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 the days, the easy days of just, ah, come on in. You know, what? Oh, box cutter? Well, that that's, must be for legitimate use. <laughs> oh, you need a box cutter on a plane? Ah, sure, why not? You know, I mean... Yeah, those days are over. But because we can't racially profile, we're now about, I think it's like every five people or something like that, there's usually around there, would be taken aside and say, hey, uh, take your shoes off. You know, let me let me search you real quick. Take off all your metal. What's that? What what do you got? What do you got in there? That that's a shampoo bottle? Get that out of here. We don't need that shampoo. That's a bomb. Don't fuck around. Hair gel? Hell no! I mean, it, 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 yeah, so... Um, <laughs> so we, uh... 
I had it happen to me, man. I had to get all freaking stupid naked, <laughs> take my shoes off. I had like holy socks, dude. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a freaking redneck of heart, baby. It's 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 in my blood. So um yeah, so uh we had that going on. It was a uh, you know, going through going through the airport, not just that part. You see all these soldiers with guns posted ready to go, looking around, looking for suspicious folk. Now, most likely, the fact of the matter is, probably you would not have another attack of that exact same type. Um, I, you know, most likely, you weren't going to get another terrorist taking over a plane and flying into a building. That was kind of a, you know, that, that was their own attack. It wasn't going to be replicated. People were worried that a copycat would do the same thing, so... There's just a lot of fear at the time. There really was. You know, how are they going to get us next? And, and and really, that's where the paranoia starts and the bad paranoia. You have, you have people literally in the middle of freaking BFE nowhere thinking that they were going to attack the Walmart. Oh, come on, man. Look at, listen, if you're in Muskogee, whatever, they're not coming for Walmart. They could give a shit less. Okay, that's not a prime target to them. Because if you turn on the news and said Walmart or Muskogee was attacked yesterday, I mean, who cares? No, no, you know, it'd be like the same if like a tornado hit it. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying I I love the the fucking you know I love the middle of the country, man. Fly so quote unquote flyover country, man. That's God's country right there. That's the way we're supposed to be. Okay, and and I'll get into more about that, man. Like how we've abandoned. These are these are forsaken areas of our country, man. We have abandoned our factory base. We have abandoned the places that used to really, in my mind, you call America. You know, it, it's it's criminal what we've done to these places, man. We've taken all their industry away from them. We said, hey, we'll take the industry away and we'll give you opioids instead. How how's that sound? How's that sound? That'll work for like five years, right? Give me a fucking. Ugh. Mm. So we go and take industry away. We screw them royally. Man, we're, and we're surprised that, you know, there's this feeling of hopelessness. And every time we get some guy that, you know, some idiot, you know, every, some idiot running for office, everybody thinks they got the answers, you know. I don't know who's got the answers anymore, man. I mean, my money's on DeSantis for this election, but... I, I say if we had a, a DeSantis Tulsi Gabbard ticket, we would run the, the Republican Party could run the country for 16 years possibly. You know that that's I think that's a way to bring it back. Let 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 let's come in heavy with that heavy hand with DeSantis, and then you slip the jab after that until the, the opponent falls with Tulsi Gabbard. You know, there's a lot of Democrats moving to the right now because they're just looking at their party going. Whoa. Never mind, you know, I don't want to talk about transgender bathrooms and all this woke shit, like, you know, like, people just want to get back to some kind of normalcy, man, like, we're kind of like, all right, like, enough is enough, like, can't we just, as a great, <laughs> Rodney King said, can't we all just get along, you know, rest in peace, Rodney, um, so, I don't know, man. Anyways, uh, so we have all these laws being passed. Oh, yeah, wait, hold on. 
Racial profiling, number one. Okay, pop quiz, folks, pop quiz. Did a 80-year-old white woman fly the planes into the Trade Center? I'm just curious. Did, 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 did that happen? Was it an old white man? Was it an old white woman? Was it a Hispanic child? No, it wasn't. Give me a friggin' break. You don't need to search an 80-year-old white woman, man. What? How, how embarrassing for her. I'm going to go see my grandkids in Kansas City. Ma'am, could you take your shoes off, please? Why do I need to do that? Uh, we need to see if you're harboring a, a box cutter in your, uh, in your old lady uh, heels. I mean, come give me a fucking break. Are you crazy? Do you want to scare this woman? You want to give her a heart attack? And when she, well, well, sir, I, I, I really wouldn't like to do that. Well, I don't give a damn. Guns up, guns up. We got, we got ourselves, oh, we got ourselves a troublemaker here. Sarge, Sarge, get over here. She's gonna kill us all. Come on, man. Come on, dude. It was Islamic fundamentalist terrorists. That's who caused the terrorism. Who bombed the USS Cole? Was it a a 20-year-old black man from America? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know who does racial profiling? Israel. (laughs) Come on, man. Knock it off. Quit being, I mean, my God, quit being such lollipops, man. It just, it's like, it's crazy. And that's where that really starts, man. It's like, Anyone at that time that just had a little bit of whatever, you know, oh, he's giving me a guy, right? You, you know, give him second looks. It's like, God, this, and this, this turns into a flood. It was a trickle, but then it turns into a flood. And I'll try to kind of hurry this up here because I know I'm really ranting. But, but 9-11 was such like just a crucial, crucial, crucial moment for our nation's history. It was really like, you know, you have one country on 9-10, a different country on 912. It was a completely it's just a night and day situation, man. Um, for good and bad. Um, so we got the Patriot Act. We're giving the government the ability at this time we don't really pay attention to this, but we give the government the ability to listen in on everyone's phone pretty much in the world. Uh, they can tap anyone's phone, they can tap anyone's computer. Um, if you really want a little bit more kind of deep dive into what our government was up to for about like a 10 year period, like without any kind of, um, any kind of like oversight, you should really watch citizen four, which is documentary of Edward Snowden. Think about him, what you will think about him, what you will. But I declare this man a Patriot because if it wasn't for him, we'd still kind of know what the hell was going. We still wouldn't know what really was go, what their capabilities are. Um, I mean, they could, they could go into your tablet and look at, you know, watch you as you get undressed. I mean, it's, it's just cause you know, if you have something plugged in, it's just on standby mode, you know, uh, it's not off. Don't think, don't think that, you know, and of course telecom, they, they totally went along with this. Yes, sir. Yes, that's right. U S government. Yeah, go ahead. You know, screw our customer. Hmm. So I kind of think the George W. Bush regime was a little bit of fascistic. Because fascism is like, it's not this. Okay, so you have communism and fascism, which is, a li- they differ a little from each other. Not dramatic. They're both totalitarian governments. But fascism is like there's a cooperation with the corporations. It's not, it's not capitalism where it's hands off. 
by by any means, okay? Um, some people call fascism like late-stage capitalism. Uh, now, communism, it's complete, you know, government... Well, it's it's the way communism is supposed to work is that the corporations are run by the workers, only the workers. But if you have like the Russian communism, which is the government is nothing more than just a vanguard of the workers. It's it's the representation of the workers. So hence the government is the workers. You know, that's how that's how the Russians determine that. That's how they see it, is that the workers can't take power just by themselves. So you have to have a vanguard of the workers, which is their government. But it's still government because in Marxist philosophy, uh, you know, there's supposed to be no government. It's just all run by the people, you know, um, total cooperation, no money, no nothing. Marx doesn't say how to get there after you take control through socialism. When you take control of the means of production, they doesn't say, hey, this is, he just says, oh, when you do that, it eventually will just, you know, everybody will get along. It's like, what? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you see that? How do you see total war to total peace and like no time flat? So we have, why I say it's fascistic is because you have the government and the corporations kind of the government saying this is how you're going to run things this is how you're going to do things this is how you're going to make your products and the and the corporations say yeah okay we'll follow those guidelines exactly so that's kind of what fascism somewhat some parts of it is 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 you know the the government chooses this is going to be the corporations now you can run it from that but this is going to be our you know our winners you know sort of um so anyways uh you have the Patriot Act. You have all the, you know, the government kind of spying in on its citizens. Uh, fast forward a year. Um, and then we get to 2003. Then you have the invasion of Iraq. Now, we come up with some real fun shit on this one. Uh, pretty much, you know, the president says, uh, well, there's evidence that Iraq has been trying to buy yellow cake uranium from Niger. Um, God, you know, <laughs> look, it's, it's like, I remember seeing the name of that country when I was a little kid. And when you're a little kid in Alabama, yeah, you, a little white kid in Alabama says, sees the country named Niger on a book without ever having it pronounced to him. Okay. Yeah. Put the two and two together. That doesn't mean I'm a racist. Now back off. Okay. Before you get all, oh, just back off, all right? That doesn't mean I'm a racist. I'm seven years old. I open up a world map, and that's the word I see. I'm in Alabama. I've heard that word many a time, not from my father, not from his father's father, who was in the military, never said a word like that in his life, okay? But that's the word I had heard many a time from the rednecks I grew up around, okay? Nothing against Alabama, but I have one black kid in my school, man. His name is Glenn. He was in my class. And he was my friend, okay? So I don't want to hear that shit. Don't even try to fucking label me with that crap. Straight up, man. I, don't, I, I know the history of white supremacy in this country. It's disgusting. It's abhorrent. I do not defend it. I do not defend the Confederacy. Let me make that perfectly clear. 
I find the Confederates to be traitors to this country. We should never wave that goddamn rebel flag. Never, ever, 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 ever wave that. that okay, if you're going to wave that flag, then go to Germany and wave the Nazi flag. Okay, go to any country and wave the flag of their enemy. That's the way we should look at it. They were traitors. They were fighting against the United States government. The heroes were the Union. The Confederates were not the heroes. They were not the good guys. You know, these men were fighting straight up. No bullshit. No bones about it. No ifs, ands, or buts. They were fighting for, for slavery. It wasn't for free. It was for slavery. They wanted to bring back an aristocracy. You know, there's a great book. Um, was it it's like the 11 Americas or something? like? I'm actually reading it right now, but... It's called like the 11 Americas and it just talks about how uh, the 11 sections of North America, something like that. And it's just about how we're, we're, we're sectioned off in North America, you know, to like different, different parts represent different people. And the South was represented by colon, colonialists, um, by, you know, foreign powers that, that's who established those regions, and they were slave owners, aristocratic landowners. I mean, that's who really started those areas, and they kind of just continued that vein on. Um, it's a good book. You're all, you definitely should check it out. It's it's quite interesting. But anyways, um, sorry. Back to back to this. Uh, ah, so he says we're getting yellow cake from this year, or for, I'm sorry, Iraq is getting yellow cake from this year. One single foreign source from England is our intelligence. Okay. It's hush-hush until it's not so hush-hush. Gets out into the press. Press gets a hold of it. Oh, my God, Iraq's going to destroy. And that's exactly what the administration wanted. Okay. They say, oh, it was a leak. Accidental. Didn't mean to do it. Nothing to see here. No, dude. It was a total, total, total. That was planned from the beginning. Um, yeah, well, I mean, look, I could go on for days about all the little ha-ha quotes that we had um, before the war about, you know, Iraq has the best targets. We should go after them. Um, that was good old Rummy there saying that. Uh, you have you have the Darth Vader of, of, form, or of our uh, administration here, Dick Cheney. You know, just hook, line, and sinker. We're going to go out and we're going to uh, destroy every uh, target that we feel is a target. And it doesn't matter uh, if that we uh, deem them good or bad. Uh, if we think they're bad, they're bad. You know, flat out. Because what we say is right. Uh, there is no such thing as torture. Um, you know, so uh, if we deem it not to be torture, it's not torture. So, like, this guy was just fucking, man... I'm sorry, look, Dick Cheney, you know, he's got a lot of conservative chops, granted, but, like, man, if you want to, like, compare him to some kind of Nazi from, like, <laughs> you give him, you give him a German voice, and, yeah, man, you can make that, you can make that connection real easy, you know, um, so, Iraq war kicks off, you know, they say that Saddam has weapons of mass destruction, we try to get, uh, UN inspectors in there, Gets a little kooky, uh, you know. They Colin Powell goes in front of the UN, you know, shows a uh, quote unquote proof that Iraq is trying to obtain weapons of mass destruction. Um, and you know, we 
Cheney convinces our, you know, Dick Army, uh, I think he was the Speaker of the House, conservative. Um, he's was kind of much against this at the beginning about, you know, getting entangled in, in, into wars that we shouldn't really be entangled with. He wasn't really a big fan of Iraq. And then Dick Cheney comes up and says, listen, we have evidence that Iraq is building suitcase nukes. Now, listen, suitcase nukes takes a shit ton of money. Iraq at that time, man, was literally a third of a country because we had established a no-fly zone on the north and south of the country. Okay, like they were barely hanging on the time. Um, and you know there was come time goes by after. So yeah, sorry, I'm gonna have to go. Damn, I'm gonna have to do this for another hour. Fuck, I'm sorry, guys. I'm really am. I, I'm I'm trying to run down like 30 years of history. To, 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 to explain why we've gotten to the place we've gotten to. And it's, it's, I guess it's worth it, man. I don't know. If you guys, if you guys like this episode, let me know. If you say, Hey Jeff, don't ever even attempt to do something this stupid again. I won't. I promise. I'll keep it. Ha ha's. So, um, so we go to Iraq. We kind of run them over within a couple weeks to clean victory. So we think, so we think. Um, we experience kind of limited skirmishes on the way to Baghdad. We roll right in. Doesn't take very long at all. And, uh, you know, our thought was they're going to greet us as liberators. Now there was a cool moment, cool moment of us toppling our soldiers. You know, I remember watching it on the news or there was some locals in Baghdad that went out to the statue of Saddam that was in the middle of Baghdad and they started trying to tear it down and they asked the American soldiers to come in and try to help it help them tear it down okay and we're tearing down the statue and there's this like thing in the background like oh man you know the rumors are he put some kind of poison gas in that statue that if they ever tore it down uh you know, it, it, this, 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 this poison gas would get released and everyone would die and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So there's, a, there's that, like you're watching, you're kind of having this moment of suspense. So, I, and I wish I could remember the point of, you have these American soldiers tearing down a statue and one of the American soldiers takes out a flag, an American flag to put on it. Right. And the, the, I believe his, I don't know, it might have been a superior that was with him. He starts taking out the American, and then all of a sudden they go, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. You know, like, this isn't, this isn't our moment, this is the Iraqi people's moment. You know, we helped them topple a dictator, but this is the Iraqi people's moment. The idea was, we're going to go in there, we're going to help them, but they need to be responsible for what happens at this point on. So we said, right? So, we're taking out this statue... And um, statue does fall. No poison gas, no bomb. And the Iraqi citizens, man, they jump on this thing, dude. You know, one of the biggest insults in the Middle East is to be hit by someone's shoes because you know they just look at like shoes like they're dirty, which they are. Um, and they start hitting them with their sandals, hitting his face with their sandals, right? And um, it's this cool moment, man. It's this beautiful moment where you see like a people that have just been oppressed for 30 years to say the hell with this, the hell with this, man. No more of this. 
And um, so Dom goes into hiding. Uh, you know, him and Uday and Kusei were split up, and there was a bomb, I believe, that was that was launched on Uday and killed him. Um, so Saddam goes into hiding into the <laughs> into the village that he's from, which is Crete, you know, because if he ever met up with a foreign with another Arab, they would call him uh, Saddam Hussein Al Takriti of Takriti of Takriti. Uh, You know, and he's a Bedouin. He's he's from a Bedouin village, a a, a nomadic tribe. Um, he goes and hides out by a river. Um, eventually, the soldiers are are forced. You know, he's missing for a few months. Might have been a year. I don't. I can't remember. Nah, maybe more like six. Or seven. He he was missing for a little while. And, uh, you know, the joke is like, dude, can't find Saddam, can't find Bin Laden. Who can we find? <laughs> you know, a lot more punchlines out there, a lot more funnies out there. But we can't find Saddam, we can't find Bin Laden. You know, it's, it's like we, we, can, we can beat up your military, but damn it, if you go into hiding, no, we can't do it, you know. We can find someone wiping their ass in Oklahoma, but we cannot find the two most wanted men in the world. Um... So, eventually, Saddam Hussein is found. Um, I believe that there was a little boy that he was fishing with that, you know, uh, was giving uh, information to some U.S. soldiers. They track him down, two of his little followers. He go, they go to this little, um, this little hut, this little house. They look inside this uh, spider hole, and bam, there's Saddam. Um, nice and wooly and dirty looking. A uh, man who lived in palaces, and here he is hiding in a spider hole. Dirty, nasty. Pick him up. He goes to jail to await crimes, and or to wait trials for crimes against humanity. Uh, uh, his own government is running the trial. In the meantime... In Iraq, we literally make every single bad decision, <laughs> every single solitary bad decision a country's ever made on occupying a foreign land. Now, this is the first time that we have occupied brown people, okay, Arabs, occupational force. That's that's already that that's got conflict built into it right there because this is an area of the world that is used to being colonized by empire after empire after empire after empire. So they're not cool with people that don't look like them. I don't care if you're there with pizza and ho hos every day. They don't want pizza and ho hos. They want their own government. They want their own country. They don't want you there. You are the enemy. And every single wrong thing you do is going to be magnified by a thousand, okay? So we walk into Baghdad, all's well. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the first things we do, which is smart. So keep in mind, Baghdad, Iraq is a one-party state. It's called the Ba'ath Party. And it's 
it's a fascist party, okay? It's pretty much it mirrors the, the Nazi party in Germany. Um, you know, look, it's it's a good deep dive to get into because it's 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 spawned off from the Muslim Brotherhood, which was a fascistic um, organization, an Arab fascist organization, a pan-Arab organization. Uh, you know, some of Saddam's, um, I think Saddam Hussein was related to Michelle Flute, which was um, one of the leaders, of, early leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood that started in Egypt. They were going to, you know, they, they supported the Nazis during World War II. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, the Ba'ath Party is just nothing but an offshoot of, like, the Nazi Party of of uh, Iraq. Um, so here we are. The whole country is a one-party, and everyone that works for the government is a Ba'ath Party member. It's just like Russia. You had to be a Ba'ath Party member if you were going to be part of the government. If you were going to work for the government, you had to be a Ba'ath Party member. So what do we do? This is the number one employer in Iraq. <laughs> so we say, anyone that was a Ba'ath Party member is a bad person. Be gone. Well, there goes the entire apparatus of the government of the country. Everyone that turns the lights on, everyone that turns the water on, everyone that's in charge of everything, bye-bye. Okay? Who's going to take their place? Oh, well, it's going to have to come from the Iraqi people. Uh, yeah, the Ba'ath Party was the Iraqi people. Oh, no, 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 that's different. No, they, those were the oppressors. The guy taking your money for your electric bill is not the oppressor. That was just a guy taking your money for the electric bill, okay? So, you have this entire country now unemployed. Unemployed. All the smart people are unemployed. All the leaders are unemployed. So, eventually what happens is it, it, it's, we, got this, we got this brewing turmoil. The UN comes in there and says, whoa, 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 we'll fix it. Don't worry. Okay, we got, we got all these plans. We're going to come in here. Uh, the guy who ran the the the, the UN's um, peacekeeping mission, their their government, uh, what who was going to set up their government, he gets killed. Um, good guy, good guy. I saw a documentary about him. He was a decent man. Um, pretty leftist, but whatever, man. That, see, see, that's the thing. He's just, he's just a leftist. That doesn't mean I don't like him. He just whatever, you know. Some leftists are actually good people. Some a lot, most leftists are good people. Okay. Doesn't mean they're bad. It's just they had a different opinion than I do. Doesn't mean I should like hate them. That, that's craziness. Um. Anyways, so uh, the Bath Party is disbanded. Iraq is in turmoil. You have all these, you know, middle-aged men and, and young men run roaming the streets. Nothing to do. Guess what? Guess who walks in that wasn't there already? Al Qaeda. Okay. Um. And I forgot the guy's name. I'll have to look it up during the break. Is he's called the Butcher of Baghdad. Um, even Osama bin Laden thought this guy was unspooled and too crazy to be an Al Qaeda. So he starts Al Qaeda. Uh, I think it was called AQ Iraq or something like that. It was like Al Qaeda in Iraq. And these guys become merciless. Okay, these guys are the real baddies out there, and they start going to all these Sunnis and you know, it, it, the little sparks start sparking. And then, and then here's the deal. The majority. So, you know, in Islam, most people have heard this, you know, you have the, the Sunni and the Shia. Okay. So the Shia 
compared to the rest of the Middle East is the minority, right? And the Sunni is in most of the Middle East as, a, as an entire region, as an entire religion. Sunni is a majority, okay? But in Iraq, the Shia, I, I think it's because it's probably its location, you know, these, again, these borders that were drew through Sykes-Picot, these are all just stupid man-made borders. They're not really indicative of, of the populations that are there. These are just lines on the map that the British and the French Empire drew up. It's not real in, in reality. So, um, you know, Iraq used to be Mesopotamia. Um, Iran used to be Persia. Um, so you have these lines that are drawn up. And, you know, in Iraq, you have a country that is majority Shia. Okay. And, but, but the people that have been running Iraq during Saddam's time were Sunni. Okay, so the minority was running the country for a long time. Okay, because uh, we kind of, I don't know, not we, but, you know, the, the foreign colonialists kind of favored the Sunnis and most part. Anyways, um, you have the Sunnis coming in, you know, they, they, they were incredibly hostile to the Shia. They definitely kept them down during Saddam's time. Uh, you know, they, they, they didn't really respect minorities in that country, the Kurds, all them. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, Saddam gassed the Kurds and killed off as many Kurds as he could. So you have the Shia kind of asserting their dominance as, as you know, they're the majority. Like that, that's, that's just the fact they're, they're asserting their dominance and the Sunni see this and Al Qaeda is Sunni and, you know, the Al Qaeda leaders start going to the Sunnis and say, Hey, look, this is what, you know, we knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to happen. The Shia were going to rise up. So you're going to see, look at what they're doing. They're going to take over. You know, they're going to oppress you guys, blah, blah, blah. You guys are going to be, you know, um, uh, giving fealty to Iran, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so the sectarian wars start off. Um, you have all these uh, militias and terrorist groups forming. Um, you have the Quds Force coming down from Iran, trying to, you know, assert control. Um and this really starts off, a, a, kicks off a real bad blood feud between the Sunnis and the Shia that had been dormant because of a dictator for 30 years. Um, and I'm going to come back and, again, try to wrap this up. for listening to Dame Bramage. This has been your not-so-esteemed host, Jeff. It's been an honor to entertain, inform, and blow your mind. And I gotta ask, was it as good for you as it was for me? Probably not. I've always been somewhat of a disappointment. Shh. Don't tell anybody. Anyways, if you need more Dame Bramage, you can go to the Dame Bramage Podcast Facebook page, or you can email me at damebramage2023 at gmail.com Be good to each other. And God bless. What's going, y'all? Y'all. <laughs> What's going, y'all? Uh, no, this is uh, Jeff. It's Dame Bramage. Um, yeah, so I made a, I guess, a creative decision that my show has gotten obviously political. And, you know, when I set out to do this show, I thought it'd be more like me. Well, see, Anton's been 
not really sick. It's just like, okay, I, I got, I got babies. Everyone knows this. Okay. Um, and if someone tells me that someone in their family's sick and has something like strep throat or something like that, I am very, very, very cautious. Um, especially with an eight month old baby, because, you know, if they catch things like strep throat, it can really do some damage to them. So you gotta be really, especially bacteria, things that are bacterial, really mess with them. So, um, you gotta be really careful, you know, them alone pick up all kinds of things, but you know, there'd be no need to do this if we could get people to just use just a fucking shred of caution. If they're sick, and I'm going to, I don't, dude, look, I don't care if I do the show for the next 40 years. I'm going to scream from the mountaintops. Use caution. Use, it's not 1998 anymore, guys. Obviously, I've done the podcast enough for you guys to know this. Things have done changed. There's a little bit more awareness out there. Germs aren't thought to be the scourge of God anymore. They are freaking things that happen naturally in the... If you're 25 and you're healthy, good for you. I've been there too. It's awesome. And you don't think about eight-year-old baby... Or, sorry, eight-year-old... Eight-month-old babies when you're 22, 23, 24. I get it. I've been there. But damn it, you should. Because they don't have any defenses for these things. I can't. I can't shield off germs. And because of this shit, because people just, oh, I got out. I feel good side today. Go touch things. And, you know, it's like, it's fucking crazy to me, guys. Come on, man. Just give a fuck. I, I guess that's just too hard to do now, to care. It's, 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 it's too, it's too much. It's too, oh, I gotta go to Albertsons and get cereal, so... I can't, I gotta touch everything. I mean, like, it, it, god damn, man. Come on, man. Give a damn. Then I could do the damn show with Anton and then let you guys laugh. So, I made a decision that, uh, I'm gonna go back to trying to be more lighthearted, a little bit more comedy. I am gonna finish the What the Hell Happened series. Like I said, I've already recorded it. I got to edit all the audio. Um, there's like hours of it, but I just wanted, I, I don't know. I guess I wanted to do something that showed like what happened the last 30 years. But I, I think people kind of know at this point what happened the last 30 years. Um, especially as we live in this like 24 hour media circus that we live in. So I'm going to try to focus on other things now to try to mix it up and not just be, you know, overly political. I just wanted to get that show, that series done. And that's what I've been kind of focusing on for like the last three weeks. Of course, I haven't had my sidekick with me, you know, um, kind of sucks, man. Like he, he definitely makes the show much better. I will say that makes it much better. Um, you know, Anton, if he was abroad, if he was a girl, I'd definitely try to hook up with him immediately. He is very, very special to me. I'm not crying, guys, before you think I'm tearing up here. Uh, no, he's very, he's, just, he's always been my best friend, man. We've been best friends since we were in fourth grade. I mean, I, I couldn't, I mean, every time I've been away from this guy in my life, my life has dramatically gotten worse. 
Um, you know, cause you like, you need these people, man. Some people that are like important to you that like, there's just certain people we find in this life that like we make connections with, you know? Um, and like something about them makes you better and something about you makes them better. And, you know, when me and Anton have kind of combined, when our powers combine, we become Captain Druggy. I know, um, maybe back in the day, but you know, when we kind of get our heads together, man, some really fun cool things happen. He's got an interesting take on things. I got my crazy ass take on things. So, um, you know, moving forward, I'm going to try to get with him a lot more. I'm, I definitely want to get my cousin on this. Uh, he's got one hell of a story, one hell of a story. And I want to get my crazy ass aunt on here. Cause she has like, okay, I'll just put it out there when it comes to pol- politics this woman has MAGA underwear on, man. She is Mrs. Trump. It is, Trump is a superhero to him. He can do no wrong. Yeah. So he's, she's kind of, <laughs> I, listen, I, I love her with all my heart. I really do. Me and her are more alike than anybody else in my family. But man, like you cannot tell her one negative thing about this dude. So anyways, um, you know, I wanted to do this one because like, I haven't talked about this really. Like one of my biggest interests and like what I wanted to initially start the podcast on like a long time ago was sports. I love sports. I absolutely adore sports. Um, I think we see like the best out of people in sports, man. Like number one, you see their athleticism, which is like, to me, it's like they're performing superhuman feats, things that the normal person can't do. They can do every day you know, all the time. Um, and and the fact that all these guys work their asses off to get to where they are. I mean, it is amazing. I mean, some of these guys, man, like I'm going to go straight to like, what's, you know, going on right now in sports is the basketball playoffs, man. It it, like, you want to talk about superhuman feats? There is nothing more superhuman than a great basketball player, a great NBA player. And I'm going to say it right now, Jason Tatum, is the, in my opinion, in my opinion, one of the best players in the NBA right now. Giannis, you know, look, Giannis can do a lot of stuff, man. He really can. He's got athleticism oozing out of his ears. I mean, when this guy takes flight, it, it looks effortless when he jumps, goes in to hit that, you know, slam, hit that uh, layup. You know, I mean, he can, the only thing he has against him, I guess, is he's a bit soft on the, on the, uh, on the free throws. He's a bit soft on the three pointers, but whatever, man, like he's a, he's a freaking seven foot power forward. Uh, so, you know, small forward power forward type. He doesn't need to do that stuff. He's like LeBron, but bigger, you know, um, they call him the Greek freak. Cause he is a freak. He's a freaking nature, man. Like this guy's athleticism is insane. And not to mention, he is like lightning quick, man, lightning quick. When he jumps off, dude, it's, I mean, he gets the ball at the three-point line, doo, 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 and he he can, if he's got a path that he can find, it's just one, two, boom. You know, I mean, it's it's quick. It's quick, quick, quick. Um, when there's a transition and he's running down the floor, man, boom, 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 quick, just hits that layup. Just, it's over. You know, it's over. I mean, this guy, there's a reason he's won so many MVPs. You know, it's not, it's not from just, circuit, you know, uh, happenstance or whatever. Uh, hold on. You got Nikola Jokic who, okay. So Kendrick Perkins, who I still love, man, Kendrick Perkins for what he did for the, 
08 Celtics, you know, winning a title with them. I'll never forget that. Um, but, man, like, he cannot understand how a white guy could possibly win a third MVP. He can't understand how a white boy can win two MVPs in a row for being, a, you know, an unathletic center. Um, you know, Jokic does a lot of stuff that other centers have never done. Centers don't set people up. Centers don't take the ball from the three-point line and go in. Centers can't shoot from the three-point line. At least they used to not be able to. I mean, Joel Embiid is definitely, you know, exception to the rule on the three-point tip. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, he, he's, he is un- – the thing is he's unathletic, and he just uses his, you know, his instincts, his basketball instincts to, to do what he does on the court. Um, he definitely makes everyone around him better. Uh, that's, that's no question about that. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, he's gotten a lot of crap because, you know, Perkins like, oh, the only reason that everyone's voting for him for MVP is because he's white. Okay. God, dude, can, can we just appreciate guys for who they are? Uh, I mean, like it, we've gone from Rush Limbaugh saying back in like 2003, there's 03 or 04 that the only reason that Donovan McNabb gets all the hype he does because he's a black quarterback. It's like, you know, now now it's reverse. It's the only reason he's getting all this hype because he's white. It's like, can't can, can people just be an athlete? Can't they just be an athlete? Can we just be colorblind for five friggin' seconds? And just like, hey, he's an athlete, man. He, he, he doesn't wear a white or black jersey, man. He wears a Denver Nuggets jersey, you know? That's it. He's got no team in this. He's, you know, he's not, he's not the great white hope, you know? I mean, this guy was like, chug, like literally, dude, this dude comes from, uh, I think it's Serbia is where he's from. And, you know, this guy like had problems in the beginning of his career because he was chugging down soda at an alarming rate and he was out of shape. And then he gets in shape and then he kind of, you know, feels his way through the game. And now he's just dominating, you know, dominating. Like I said, unathletic dude dominating um you know so he's got a really interesting really interesting rags to riches story it's 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 fascinating to me um because there's been so many guys big men that come out of that environment the eastern europe uh system that look really good in the european leagues and they come here to america in the nba and it's not so much especially the bigs you know they they're they a lot of times, like you have the Nicole or the uh, was it Yusuf Nurkic guys are kind of they're one dimensional. They're just big. They rebound. They shoot. You know, close. I mean, it, it's there's nothing really too special or fancy. Now they're they're important. They're definitely important because a lot of times they're technically sound, but um, the athleticism suffers and the defense suffers. So a lot of times these guys don't live up to the hype that they've been drafted on or thought to be. The thing about uh, Nikola Jokic, though, is that he was a second-round pick. So you don't see MVPs coming from the second round. You just don't see MVPs coming from the second round, man. That, doesn't, that does not happen, man. Ever. Ever. Second round, that's your dudes that are sitting on the bench or like your ninth, tenth guy. Maybe you get a Draymond Green every once in a blue moon. But second-round guys are never going to – typically be your starter you may hear about them for a couple of years and there may be a little bit of hype about them god knows the celtics have had tons of guys picked in the second round that had a little bit of hype to them and then they just kind of fizzle out you know um i've seen i've seen them all go semi ogile um what was that oh god i can't even remember his name yab yeah i remember that guy too like th- these guys had all this hype man and then like 
Nope. Don't even know where they are now. <laughs> Shout out, Sammy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this guy was like a huge, he was like, I think he was like a record-breaking scorer in college, and then he gets to the NBA. It's just like, nope. You know, it just, he doesn't have. First-round picks usually have something very special about them. It's either raw athleticism or they can just shoot lights out, you know. Um, and I've seen the Celtics draft a lot of guys in the past that have one of the two, you know. Yabu Selly, Semi they were kind of looking like these guys that had some athleticism to them. But, you know, they get in the league and they're like like they're just they're just a good player. It's not they just in the NBA to stand out to be a starter, I think you have to do something special. There has to be something about you that you can do that the other players cannot do, right? And since I'm talking about other guys, I'm gonna talk about my boy, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, I love you. Call me. Come to my show. Give me a sweat covered jersey, please. <laughs> um, no, dude, this guy. I have a Jason Tur Jason Turgeon. I have a Jason Tatum jersey. So I don't I don't need the well, I do need the sweat covered one. But uh um no, this dude, man, oh my god. So when he comes to the league, this is like his first year in the league. He's a second pick in the 2017 NBA draft. And, you know, there's not, there's some fanfare about him. He's coming out of Duke, you know, because there was so much attention in, on the Duke Blue Devils for the next year, which was the Zion year, you know, and Zion Williamson was there. There was so much attention going to that. RJ Barrett, all those guys that were coming in, there just wasn't a lot of attention for the Jason Tatum and, uh, uh, Adebayo, the Bam Adebayo class, you know, these, now these two guys were stiller, man. Uh, they are no small deal, man. Trust me. Right now in the NBA, they are balling right now, dude. Just balling. Um, so yeah, they uh, they come out come out of the rookie class. Not a lot of attention's been given. Jason Tatum's second pick. Um, Markel Fultz is the number one. Oh, I'm sorry, no, he's a third pick. That's the second. Um, he's a third pick in the NBA draft. Uh, Markel Fultz goes number one. Who he was the Celtics that year had the number one pick, but they traded it out with Philadelphia and they took the third pick instead and Markel Fultz became the number one pick and everyone was blowing smoke up this kid's ass Markel Fultz oh my god he's gonna be the next this the next that he's Steph Curry mixed with uh you know Derrick Rose mixed with this guy just every damn thing you could hear about a point guard man Markel Fultz was gonna be it then he gets to the league and come to find out he can't shoot okay um, he's, he's definitely gotten better in, uh, Orlando because he, he, you know, when you're the number one pick, man, you carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. You are expected to be Magic Johnson. You are expected to be Derrick Rose. You are expected to be, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. You are expected to be an all Patrick Ewing. You're expected to be an all time great. You're uh, definitely for your franchise. You're expected to be like. The savior to your franchise. That is what the first round, the, the number one pick carries with it. Okay. And there has been a, whoa, a bunch of flops, a bunch. In every sport, there's flops on the number one pick. But there's been a ton of NBA flops. Okay. The point guard position is probably one of the hardest positions to play. Every heart, every position is hard to play in the NBA. Um, you know, the, but the point guard, the, the the offense gets initiated through the point guard, and you're also expected to play stellar defense because of the fact the offense is initiated through the point guard. You're expected to be able to 
play defense against a point guard. And, um, you know, Markel Fultz had a lot of raw athleticism. He could shoot some. And then he gets in the NBA. And then, you know, he starts off. He gets he, – he has a – from what doctors are saying, a freak injury. There's some, you know, film coming out of camp of him – doing some weird stuff with the shooting. And then, you know, the, the trainer says, oh, he can't really shoot. So I got to retra- retrain him. <laughs> well, I, I, the question is, he's the number one pick. Why do you, like, obviously he's good enough to be the number one pick in the NBA draft above guys like Jason Tatum. Um, and the number two pick was Lonzo Ball out of UCLA. Um, so if you're saying he's good enough to pick above those guys, then why do we need to retrain his shooting? And at the same time, you have a kid that had been picked number one before him. The, I think it was a year prior. It was Ben Simmons. So Philadelphia has these two guys, you know, the same problem with Ben Simmons. Oh, he can't shoot. He needs to be retrained to shooting. It's like, okay, why would you take someone who can't shoot? So Marco Fultz has to sit out a year and comes back next year. Um still some shooting woes and he just he can't live up to the hype I think the pressure especially from Philadelphia if you ain't good boy they're gonna let you know they are gonna let you know what's going on holy moly man are they gonna let you know what's going on boy they boost Santa Claus I mean it, it does not matter in Philadelphia man they do not they do not give you a long leash you got one year maybe two to prove it if you prove it like Joel Embiid, then you're fine. You know, you're going to become a fan favorite, and they're going to love you to the day you die, man. I mean, look at Dr. J. I mean, they still love Charles Barkley for the couple of years he was there. Um, you know, they're going to love you to the day. Allen Iverson, they're going to love you to the day you die, okay? Um, but, man, geez Louise. Oh, but the rancor they can give you. Him, Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. If you mention those two guys to a Philadelphia 76ers fan, you're just going to get this stink eye and he's going to try to swing at you. I mean, like, you better run. Um, they they look at them like they are the, the bane of the franchise. Um, so, anyways. Jason Tatum is the third pick. Lonzo Ball is the second pick. Lonzo Ball is another point guard. Lots of fanfare. From the Ball family, he was a he was an absolute beast in high school. Him and his brothers, um, Lamelo, Lonzo, uh, Lamelo. Damn it! What's the other one? Lonzo, Lamelo, Ball. I can't remember. Lamelo. <laughs> I don't. I do. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, there's a third Ball brother. But anyways, um, goes to UCLA. Yeah, you know, he has. Okay, season at UCLA, and then uh, you know he gets drafted by the Lakers. Same situation though, man. He, and he goes to play with LeBron. Woo! Second year, LeBron comes to the Lakers. Boy, you better play good because LeBron's gonna save you. Don't get out. March. Go. He's gonna get you gone, dude. He's gonna get you gone, man. You better freaking perform. You better perform, or else you're gonna have issues with LeBron. So he doesn't perform. He's traded Pelicans. Part of that huge bag that the Pelicans brought in for Anthony Davis, you know. So that's that's what happened. The good old uh, good old Lonzo Ball. So um, Jason Tatum, the number three pick in the twenty seventeen NBA draft. 
I'm a Celtics fan. I love the Celtics. They are my guys. I love the Celtics. They are my guys. Anyone knows me knows I love the Boston Celtics. Okay. Many, many reasons. Number one reason. Larry Bird. The history. Bill Russell. The history. Bill Walton. The history. Havlicek. The history. We got the great coach, Red Arback, The history. And I kind of like them because everybody says they're the biggest asshole fans in all basketball, that they're the racists. Which is funny because the most beloved NBA player ever in the history of freaking Boston Celtics is a black guy named Bill Russell, who was also a revolutionary black man. So, okay. Yeah, look. Boston was a pretty racist-ass town in the 60s and 70s, okay? If you were alive during those times, you remember the pictures that came out of Boston during the 70s with the race riots, the busing riots, all that jazz. Um, you you know, definitely some horrific pictures. Then, you know, Larry Bird, a white guy, gets drafted by Boston. Then you get another white boy named Kevin McHale comes to the team. Danny Ainge comes to the team. You know, so it's kind of a white-looking team. And they, of course, you know, play the freaking LA Lakers, who was like the black gods, man, of the day, of the 80s, man. Yeah, the Magic Johnson. You have uh, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Byron Scott, you know, I mean, A.C. Green. I mean, like, the, the, the names go on and on and on and on um, of just great black players that played there. Um, so, yeah, uh, uh, Michael Cooper, it, it just, <laughs> but, so it's like, you know, you have, sometimes in sports you'll have, like, one team be this thing and the other team be this thing, and then, you know, the media gets into it and they throw the race element into it, and yeah, so, um, but not just those guys, not just those guys, I love Paul Pierce, man, he's probably, like, if you said, like, who's your favorite Celtic of all time for who I watch, Paul Pierce, definitely, definitely Paul Pierce, um, this guy could just do it all, and he did do it all by himself for years in Boston, man, for, for a time, he was the only show in Boston, you know, Kobe Bryant, saw him play, he played against the Lakers, and called him the truth, um, <laughs> And this guy is absolutely was absolutely special, man. He could drain threes. He could play defense. I mean, it was it was a special, special player. Kevin Garnett comes to Celtics. I watch him win a championship. You know, gotta keep in mind, my lifetime for a long time, the Celtics were absolutely dog crap, absolutely dog crap. So, you know, in 2017 there was some buzz because the year prior the Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Championship. And lost to the Cavs, but, you know, they had Isaiah Thomas, this little sawed-off little dude, man. He's like 5'9", five, 5'8", five, point guard. Just He got like third in MVP votes. Um, just balling out. He had a wonderful, 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 wonderful game where his sister died. Um, and, you know, it came out that game and just played with nothing but heart. It had like 30 or 40 points, something like that. But it was just something legendary. Goes out in Boston lore as a... Great performance, you know. They had this this young kid, Jalen Brown, who had been the third pick the year before. Um, and then during the off season, because um, the Celtics at that point didn't have a lot of stars. You had Avery Bradley, you had Isaiah Thomas, you had Jay Crowder, but other than the, and Al Horford, they just got an Al Horford the year prior. Um, but the Celtics at that time didn't have a lot of star power, so they decided to swing for the fences and go for Gordon Hayward, who was a forward out of Utah. Uh, he actually played for Brad Stevens, coach of the Celtics at the time. He played for him at Butler. 
Um, so they were thinking there was going to be this magic thing happening with Brad Stevens. And then Kyrie Irving, the point guard, Mr. Flat Earth himself, becomes available from Cleveland. He's disgruntled. What's new? Kyrie Irving, everyone is disgruntled. Oh, no. This could not be a pattern for the future, could it? Anyways, Kyrie Irving, disgruntled. Wants out of Cleveland. Wants to go somewhere else. Boston says, hey, we'll take you. You know Kyrie Irving, when he was named the teams he wanted to go to, uh, Celtics were not on that list. But the Celtics trade Jay Crowder. They trade Isaiah Thomas. They trade their pick, which was like the number seven pick in the draft that year. Um, and, uh, yeah, and Ante Zizek, some guy they had drafted the year before, center who no one remembers. Um so they all go to Cleveland, and there's a little bit of hoo-ha because Isaiah Thomas, come to find out, has some hip issues. Can't really have any issues clearing the physical. They pass a trade through anyways, and the Cleveland Cavaliers become a circus that year, and they're not getting along, and then LeBron eventually gets all those guys traded um, for some you know, championship pieces which they do actually go on it. But I'll get back to it. Anyways, Jason Tatum, he is the number three pick. He comes on the team. He's got Kyrie Irving. He's got Gordon Hayward. Jalen Brown. Markeith Morris. Is it Markeith? One of the Morris brothers. I think it's Markeith, if I remember right. Um, You know, they're looking all right. They look like they're going to a team here. Let's see what's going on. They... They start off the season in Cleveland. Gordon Hayward goes up for, I think it was a slam or something. He misses a shot. He comes down awkward on his ankle, rolls it. Not just rolls it, breaks it. Okay, wonderful. So the big acquisition, the big free agent acquisition, he goes down. Great, can't wait to see what happens here. He's out for the year. Okay. But Kyrie Irving starts starts the Kyrie Irving show. He says, no, this is going to be my team. I want to put this team on my back. Kyrie Irving is dazzling. Um, and then Jason Tatum, this kid, starts hitting three-pointers. I mean, he's just sitting on that three-point line. And, and, like, he you know, he was a shooter in, in, in college, but he wasn't, like, the shooter in college, you know. Um, and Kyrie keeps on dishing, dishing. Al Horford playing at lights-out defense. Um, so they're, they're dishing this guy, dishing this guy, dishing this guy. Um, and he's hitting three-pointers, man, just hitting them, hitting them, hitting them. Um he leads the league at one point, like in the early part of the season, in three pointers percentage. So he's looking like he's something. Uh, Kyrie Irving, though, you know, he's really got these boys running all all eight cylinders. They're one of the best teams in the East. And with about a month left to go in the season, Kyrie goes down. Okay. Mm. Now everyone's looking to these kids, Jalen and Jason, to step up. What are you guys gonna do, man? How are you gonna how are you gonna carry this team? And they said, All right, we'll show you how to do this. <laughs> so Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, man, they put the team on their back. And these two young kids, they lead them to the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron. They do lose in seven games, but they took them the distance, man. I mean, Jason Tatum looked like he was gonna be a star in the future. Jalen Brown looked like he's gonna be a star in the future. Um, and then the next year comes around, man, and then there's like all this drama Kyrie says at the beginning of the year oh I want to stay in Boston for the rest of my career 
And then, you know, the year goes on. I don't know about that. I don't want to go. And then they just, Gordon Hare comes back. He looks like he doesn't fit. Um, and they just kind of fall apart. They make it the second round. And then, like, the year after that is, like, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving leaves. The Celtics get Kemba Walker. They're looking good. You know, they, they're looking like they're going to be one of the best teams in the conference. Uh, they're leading the East before the All-Star break. And all of a sudden, Kemba Walker gets injured during the All-Star game. Gets injured during the All-Star game. No one gets injured during the All-Star game except for Kemba Walker, okay? And before this, man, Kemba Walker is looking like a stud, dude, looking like a stud. So he goes down. Gordon Hayward comes back. He's looking pretty good the first 20 games. All of a sudden, he gets injured. Yay! Um, <laughs> so, uh, so you know, they just look like hit or miss. They get again, go to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose. Um, Gordon Hayward leaves after that year. <sighs> so finally the last, you know, the, there, there's a season after that where the 2021 season where, it, you know, there's so many injuries. Um, Brad Stevens last year as a head coach, they lose in the first round to the Brooklyn Nets. It gets, I think it was a gentleman sweep and, uh, yeah, um, don't look good. Everybody's saying that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to get split up and they need to trade one. But then last year, M.A. Udoka, he's an assistant on the Spurs. He's an assistant on the 76ers. He comes in and just gets these guys playing D, man. D and up. Marcus Smart, you know, defensive player of the year. Bring out Horford back. He's looking good. Um, just, just playing solid defense. And then Jason Tatum takes this next step takes this next step where he can average, you know, 30 a night, 25 a night, just hitting threes, man. They're shooting threes all over the freaking place. Um, and they go to the freaking championship last year and lose to the Warriors. But I love them because they took, they beat the Bucks, they beat the Nets, and they beat the Heat. The three teams that I really if there's any teams I can't stand in these conferences, those three teams. Oh God, because they're just the Bucks are just so damn good, and Giannis is so freaking good. I can't stand it. I hate it. The Nets had like every player I couldn't freaking stand on there: Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, and the Heat, Jimmy Butler, uh, uh, pain in the ass. Um, Heat, you know, had LeBron James back in the day. Beat the Celtics. Can't stand him. Uh. Hmm. And then they lose the Warriors, which I'm okay with. I mean, the Warriors were the dynasty, dude. You know, they got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Their first year really being back together after all the injuries, all the BS. They had Andrew Wiggins. So, yeah. So that, that's my Celtics story. That's why I love the Boston Celtics. Right now, number two team in the East. They're in the playoffs. They dropped a, a harsh one last night to the to the Hawks, but they're in the lead, three two in the series. Just need to win one more game, and that's you know that sometimes it proves to be like the hardest game to, to drop, or, or or to to win is like that game to get that fourth win. You know, a lot of teams just overlook it, like ah, oh, we got these guys beat, and then they start letting that other team in, man, and that other team's kind of pick 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 pick, and then what happens is these teams start to panic a little bit. You know, they start to you know choke. They 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 start to get worried and concerned that that you know this, uh, maybe they're they're harder than they thought uh, you know the other team finds a weakness and they exploit it so hopefully Celtics can pull out this uh series win we'll see 
Um, I really think, you know, if the Bucks go down to the Heat, which might happen, the Bucks go down to the Heat, could be a little bit of a path for the Celtics getting in the championship. Again, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they got that pedigree, man. They, you know, they got a new coach, Joe Mazzola, that's a little bit more offensive-minded, so we'll see what happens. But uh, anyways, that's why I love the Boston Celtics. The other team that's in play right now is my, and you know what, you guys are going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so on the back of my truck, I have four stickers, four sports stickers, okay? I got the Celtics. I got Notre Dame, Fighting Irish, Go Irish, even though we haven't gone much of anywhere since like 1987. Yeah, I was five. Um, and uh, we got... Uh, <laughs> Boston Celtics, Notre Dame. We got the Green Bay Packers. Fudge Packers. God, I, you know, I had to hear that so much growing up. Fudge Packers. It's like, shut up. God, you only wish you had the team like the Packers as your favorite team. Um, hey, you know what I can say? You know what? See my team won two Super Bowls, have MVP quarterbacks. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. I've been, I've been blessed. I've been blessed with football. I've been blessed to be able to watch many, many, many a good game in my life. So, there you go. Um, so, you got the, and I'll get into this whole, oh boy, am I going to get into the Aaron Rodgers saga. Oh my God, man. This guy, this freaking dude, man, is just, oh God, he is, he's a, he's a nightmare. Like, I don't know what happens to these guys, man. Like, Brett Favre, him. They come to the league, they're humble, you know, they're, you know, maybe a little crazy, maybe whatever. And then, like, at some point, the team becomes so focused on these guys, just these guys. They don't even talk about the Green Bay Packers. They say the Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. They don't see just the Green Bay Packers anymore. They say Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre. It's like, like these guys become on the level of the team instead of just being part of the team, you know? And when you do that, it becomes very dangerous. It becomes very dangerous, you know, because when because when you don't think of the Green Bay Packers as a team, you just think of them as this one guy. This one guy thinks they're bigger than the team. And, you know, it's funny. They both get traded to the New York Jets for first-round picks. Interesting, you know, interesting. Um, mm. Coffee. Uh, but, you know, it had to take place. You know, every year it says, is he going to retire? You know, he's 40, whatever, man. That's probably going to, probably got the best out of him that we could get. So, you know, thank you, Aaron Rodgers, for all you did for Green Bay. Thank you for the Super Bowl. Thank you for the MVPs. Thank you for being the only hope on the team for years. Um, he was just an insanely, insanely, insanely talented quarterback, especially when he was younger, man, when he could run in like 2014, 2015, man. He did it all. I mean, there was years, I remember the Super Bowl year, he actually had more rushing yards than most of the running backs in <laughs> some of those games. Um, that magical year, because I just moved to Texas that year, and I remember we didn't have cable yet. And, like, my whole thing in life was being able to watch the Green Bay Packers in their playoff run. And um, they actually won the Super Bowl that year against the Steelers, and I was able to see every game with my... <laughs> With my rabbit ears. 
no cable. I had to get my rabbit ears out so I could watch a damn game, you know, like, so just, oh, God, the game's on, you know, so, and I was in cowboy country, man. I'm, I'm in Dallas, Texas, man. All I ever hear is how great cowboys, cowboys, even the cowboys sucked that year. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, that's all I heard is about the cowboys, cowboys, you know, while my team's just kicking ass, kicking ass, sneaking into the playoffs, get to the playoffs, beat the Eagles, Michael Vick. Ain't shit. Throwing that pick at the end of the game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. Um, getting to the next round, we got the Atlanta Falcons that had beat the tar out of the Packers earlier in the season. Packers on the road playing the Atlanta Falcons. They ain't got shit. Ain't got nothing. I can't remember the corner's name. Number 38. Can't remember your name. Sorry. You were one. You were just balling out, man. Oh man, the, the jumps this kid had, man. That was just picking these passes off. Ha, ah. ha. Ah. Intercepting the ball. Aaron Rodgers just looking like a god. Four touchdowns. Oh, 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 oh. Um. Then you get to the NFC Championship game, playing the hated Chicago Bears in Chicago, right? Talking about they're going to do the Super Bowl shuffle. Mm-mm. No, no, we're going to break up that party. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Aaron Rodgers goes in there, runs for a touchdown. B.J. Raji, the freezer, as he was called, because he had the refrigerator, and B.J. Raji is the freezer. Big old dude. Picks off a pass. He's on like the five uh, on the Bears five yard line. Picks off a pass, runs it in, and does a little dance. Oh, big old dude, big old dude, celebrating, celebrating on the Bears' ass. Uh, 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 uh. And the Bears ain't been the same since. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I gotta say, man. You know, I I hate to say I'm the kind of like you know spiteful person. But I have Schadenfreude, man. If you don't know what that is, it's the it's the it's the German word or expression for the joy in another person's agony. I have Schadenfreude when it comes to the Vikings and the Bears, the Lions. Look, man, it's been rough in Detroit. <laughs> it's been rough in Detroit, man, for a long time. They actually had a really good year. Hell, they beat the Packers in the last game of the season to go to the playoffs. So. You know, good for them, man. Kudos. You know, hey, look, if there's anyone that's good, it's like it's like hating on the Cubs. You can't do it. You know, I'm not gonna hate on the Lions because I've I've never seen them win a. I've never seen them get close to a Super Bowl. So if they happen to go on a run, look, I'm all for it, man. Please do. I I would be rooting for the Lions, a, a historic rival to the Packers. I mean, there's been many, many, many of Thanksgiving. I've seen the Lions just out of nowhere have a worse season ever. And all of a sudden in Thanksgiving, they play Green Bay and they just come out and ball out, you know? So I've seen it happen. Good for the Lions. That's, that's always been their Super Bowl is Thanksgiving day. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, if, if they go on a run, good for them, but yeah, so I delight in the Bears and the Vikings suffering. I delight when I see purple go down in flames. I delight when I see missed field goals. Oh, my God. When the, oh, yeah. <laughs> Gary Anderson. <laughs> in 98, misses a chip shot field goal at home. 
go, Super Bowl. You got the Randy Moss rookie year. You got Chris Carter. You got Randall Cunningham. Balling out. Slinging the pig. All over the place. Not that game. No, sir. You got the Dirty Bird. Dancing. Dancing through Minnesota. <laughs> oh, yeah. The greatest offense ever. No, not that year. No, there's, there's no, 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 no. Sometimes there's just a team, man, that just... They match up well against another team. Minnesota Vikings had this dynamic offense that year. And the Falcons just matched them well. It was a gritty, dirty, running team. And that was kind of the Achilles heel of the Vikings. If you could keep them from scoring, if you could play good pass defense, right, if you could pressure the quarterback, now Randall Cunningham can run, run better than most quarterbacks, right? But that year, that particular year, Randall Cunningham was turning into a ball slinger, man. He was throwing these balls deep, jump balls for Randy Moss, um, who's probably the best jump ball receiver ever in the history of the game. You have Chris Carter, man. Chris Carter ran perfect routes and could catch anything. Th- I mean, any it his his pregame warmups, he would catch everything one-handed. So this guy would have like glue hands, you know. Um, I mean, they just fantastic, fantastic, fucking a fantastic receiver. Um. So yeah, and they had Jake Reed. They had these three deep. You had Robert Smith as a running back. He was good. Um, you had a great offensive line, but Falcons defensive line was just a little bit better. A little bit better. All kinds of you know youth and, and and you know this team had been down in the dumps for years, and they had Dan Reeves as the coach, and they had this. I don't was it Kramer? <laughs> I don't even remember the damn quarterback. I think it was Kramer. I don't remember. I don't remember. But it's one of these. It's like these one year fluky guys teams, man. That like they just get this running back that comes out of nowhere. Jamal Anderson. He's just running, 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 running for daylight, right? And, uh, you know, the offensive line just gets it right. You know, the defensive coordinator gets them going, gets them playing good defense. It just, it just happens, right? And they, they limit the turnovers. The turnovers aren't just this huge problem. Um, and they go to the Super Bowl, you know, with the Dirty Bird because they were able to go to Minnesota and keep Minnesota close, keep them from scoring, not letting them, you know, run out and run up on them score a million points so yeah i mean it it, sometimes teams can just do this stuff man they can just come out of nowhere and just be effective um so anyways i loved it they they, you know they lose the nfc championship game i absolutely just was thrilled um and the bears are the fucking bears man the bears (laughs) The Bears can't seem to get a quarterback that's any good. I think that what's this guy they have now, Justin Fields? I don't, I can't remember. But you know, he looked like he looks like he may be something, maybe not. Ah, who knows? Um, we'll see. Uh, who knows? Some people think he's the future. Some people say no, and just going to be another Chicago quarterback gets a lot of hype his first year and then lets everybody down. We'll see. <clears throat> They just can't seem to get a quarterback. They, the, the, the Bears cannot get a damn quarterback. I've watched my team have two Pro Bowl MVP quarterbacks, and the Bears have not. Uh, they had a guy named Troy Tulowitzki a couple years ago. Tulowitzki, who am I? 
No, Jeff, that would be the fucking shortstop for the Rockies back in the day. This would be Mitch Trubisky. There we go. Who got picked ahead of my Patrick Mahomes. Good idea, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Miss Mitch Trubisky, he led him to the playoffs his first year, and that's it. You know, just couldn't couldn't come out and do anything after that. And uh, then just kind of fell off, fell off, fell apart. So I got my Packers, who have given me many, many, many frustrations over the years. Many NFC Championship games lost, um, but they've also given me two Super Bowls to watch, and I thank them for that. Thank you. I, I've watched them win two Super Bowls, losing one. To the horse tooth bastard himself, John friggin' Elway. You know, when he was getting... I, I'm sorry, man. Look, I'm, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect, okay? I'm not I'm not anything to look at. I'm not some... I'm, 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 you know, some kind of damn acid trip painting. That's what I look like. But, you know... <laughs> I saw John Elway's family when he was being inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it's just like, they all smile. It's like, Jesus Christ, it's a stable... <laughs> it's a fucking barn. They all had horse tooth. Every single one of them had horse teeth. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's insane. But you know, some guys just you know, then again, he could beat the shit out of the Packers at Super Bowl. I tell you that much. And then um, my last team I'm gonna talk about. For a couple minutes that remain, 15 minutes that remain. Because they have given me many a joy, many a sorrow, more joy than sorrow. But the sorrows have been much, much, much more these days than the joy. The New York Yankees. That's right, I said it. The New York friggin' Yankees. Don't hate. Oh, the Yankees, shut up. Every team can do Oh, they they spent all this money. Any team can do that, and you see them do that all the time. Look at the Dodgers, okay? I don't want to hear this shit anymore about the New York Yankees. They spend all this money and they get players. Like that, well, That's kind of the name of the game, isn't it? Because you have teams like the Reds that do nothing but cry all friggin' day about, oh, but the, what's going on in baseballs? I can't afford to pay these. No, you just want the money. You want to, look, here's the deal. If you're on a baseball team, if you're the owner, you're going to have to accept you're going to lose money. Owning a baseball team is almost a losing proposition. Owning any sports team, you're going to lose money. It is a losing proposition because you can't be a winner every year. Well, unless sometimes you can't. But most of the time, depending on where you're starting out, you can't be a winner every year. And some of these owners think that they can, you know, they take over this team that sucks, right? Okay. Now, some owners go at it like, okay, I'm going to build a contender, and that's going to bring the, the money in, right? But some teams really think that these owners get step in, and they go, well, I'm going to retool, I'm going to sell everything, and then get prospects, and we'll see where the prospects go. And, you know, and if they they get these prospects, and then, you know, they start doing well. Maybe they maybe they get to the playoffs. Maybe not. Whatever. They have a good season. They have some all-stars. They have maybe even MVP. And then they go, oh, well, 
They didn't win the World Series, so this is a total loss, you know. So they break up the damn team because they want to. They want to bring a profit in every year. They're they're okay with. Connie Mack used to be like the worst man. This is the owner of the A's, which is a team that's coming to Las Vegas here pretty soon. Um, what he said was, "I would much rather have a team do well the first part of the season, bring in a profit." And then sell them off at the end of the year. <laughs> that's Connie Mack. That, that's his way of operating a baseball team. And again, if you own a baseball team, you got to understand, like, you're probably not going to turn a profit. If you want to be competitive. And I say you owe that to the fans to be competitive. You owe it to the, you owe it to the fans to have a good team out there. Because people are getting to this point now. They don't want, the, the, the patience factor is gone. In America, like there is no patience anymore. No one is going to give you the benefit of the doubt anymore. No one's going to wait around for a winner. Everyone says you're either going to win or we're not coming. So teams like the Cincinnati Reds, um, you have teams like the Brewers when they don't do well. Uh, Teams like the White Sox, the Nationals, the Marlins, the Rays. They just, the Rangers, who, now they actually have a pretty decent, you know, fan base. Um, the Giants, the Rockies, they're, Seattle Mariners, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. <laughs> Speaking of the A's, Jesus, my God, man, we are inheriting a mess on that one, Las Vegas. It's weird how we pilfered Oakland. <laughs> we just, like, Las Vegas started coming up, we're like, hmm. It's coming down. Let's see. Right, look around. Yeah, the Rockies are okay. Oh, look at the A's over there. Boy, they're having a hard time. Look at the look at the Raiders over there. Boy, they're having a hard time. You know, it's like there's no it's no secret, dude. Oakland, sorry, Oakland, you've you've gone to hell. You've gone to hell, man. Like your your city has gone to shit. All the industry moved out. Anything that was anything decided to say, ah, we're gonna go across the bay to San Francisco. Yeah, the fuck with it. <laughs> yeah, we're out, you know. Um, retired the crime, retired all the bullshit. You know, it's not fun going anywhere anymore. There's nothing in Oakland where you sit there and go, oh yeah, Oakland, the, if you're not talking about sports teams, you ain't talking about anything else. There's nothing in Oakland I can think of off the top of my head where I'm like, oh yeah, Oakland, blah, 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 you know? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing what happens to a sports franchise, how they can go from, you know, being one of the best teams in baseball to just being nothing. Um, so anyways, yeah, the Yankees, the New York fucking Yankees, Aaron Judge, Aaron friggin' Judge, Aaron Judge, man, what a monster this guy's turned out to be. My God, wins the MVP, um, 62 home runs last year. Some people say he is the actual regular season home run champion because he didn't do steroids because he's naturally gifted, man. Look at the guy. He is not, he came in the league that way. He's still that way. He's a freaking monster. This guy's tall and huge. And I mean, huge, gigantic looking man, mountain of a man. Uh, he's from California originally, but this is like, this is a team. He's a Yankee. He's going to be, he's a, he's the first captain named, uh, to the Yankees in a long time. You had the Thurman Munson, Derek Jeter days, and now you have uh, you have Aaron Judge. Um, you know, before Aaron Judge, this era. Now we we also have Carlos Rodon who came on this year. You have Garrett Cole who's pitching real well. 
But uh, there's a lot of struggles in old uh, New York. Uh, the pitching has been suspect for years. Years. Uh, we typically get these young guys coming up, and, like, they have, like, a couple good, like, Severino. I forgot the guy before Severino. He was, like, a, a original Yankee, and it just didn't – he had a couple – Tanaka. We had all these guys come up, and they do well for a couple years, but we just don't get them any help. We don't put the pieces around them. That you know, pitching pitch, in baseball, you gotta have pitching. You gotta have four competent starters. You have to have four guys that can win. That's that's the name of the game. And you, my God, if you don't have relief pitching, it ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen. That's why the Astros are so damn good. If there's anything that stays the same with the Astros, it's great relievers. Great relievers. Good pitching. So you have good pitching, great relievers, and guys that can get on the base. You have Jose Altuve. You have, uh, was it, Alex Berkman. Um, and I hate the Astros. But you know what? I love them at the same time because that's the way baseball is supposed to be played. That's the way baseball is supposed to be played. They're old school guys, man. These are guys from, from the long ago past that have, have uh, you know, they're not home run crushers. Well, Jorgon Alvarez is, but... You know, these guys are fabulous, fantastic. I'm going to talk more about baseball with Anton, so I'm not going to get too much into it. But the reason I fell in love with the Yankees when I was a little kid, my dad's a Yankees fan. And, you know, I, I've been watching documentaries. But, like, my first love of documentaries was sports documentaries. And I always got to see a lot of stuff about um, the 50s Yankees. You know, the, uh, the Mickey Mantle guys, the Roger Maris guys, you know, the Joe DiMaggio guys. All those guys from way back in the day, man, that were just made the Yankees great. Um, then, you know, my dad would tell me about Reggie Jackson in 76, 77. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the Yankees. I love what they've done. I love their history. Um, and then in the 90s, 96 they win. I'm like, whoa, because no one expected them to win that year. Like, whoa, you know. And then they start building this dynasty, man. They have, and, and again, it's pitching. It's pitching, it's pitching, it's pitching. The Yankees became this dynasty because they had the best pitching, you know. You had Boomer, the man, the myth, the legend. I can't remember his name. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? I remember his nickname. It was Boomer. Um, David Wells. This guy was fucking amazing, man. Just perfect game. You know, just this big old... Big old dude with a mustache, bald head, yeah, just winging it, man. Just fucking throwing strikes. Leading the Yankees in one of the best seasons ever in baseball history. You had Tino Martinez on first. God damn, the Seattle Mariners are stupid. <laughs> Sorry, Mariners fans. Um, yeah, so you got Tino Martinez, man. He's just ripping the ball. Yeah, burning Friggin' Williams. That's right. That's right. Bernie in center field. Regular season, not so much. Playoffs, you damn right he's going to be hitting home runs. Feeling great. Running after that ball, throwing it back. Just perfect feeling. You have a catcher. Joe Girardi. Then it turns over to Jorge Posada. Hitting doubles all over the place. Wingy, wingy, wingy. Barehanded glove, no gloves, batting, calling great games, the pitching, not just to mention Boomer, got David Cohn, Andy Pettit, and the man, 
the man at closer, Mariana Rivera, baby. That's all I got to say. Mo, enter Sam. Listening to Enter Sandman with Mariana Rivera running onto the field is literally like if you want to get pumped for a workout. God knows. Oh, there goes my um, God knows I've done it many a time. Listen to Enter Sandman and watch Mariana Rivera run onto the field. You know, as soon as like the ninth inning, eighth inning comes around, eighth inning ends, you got some fucking cleanup hitter coming up, and then all of a sudden you hear dun 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 and then bum 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 and then Mariana Rivera runs off field. Oh my god! Oh, man, and this guy would throw these 99-mile-an-hour fastballs, 98-mile-an-hour cutters, breaking bats of the best of them. And his stance, man, he just stare these hitters down, and he just look intimidating. Come to find out he's actually a born-again Christian. I mean, he, he, is, he is Christian of Christians, okay? And then the last guy I'm going to talk about before I get off here, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, the captain, the man. Some say most overrated baseball player in history. <laughs> uh, defensive stats, not the best. Not the best, but you know what? He's one of these guys that when it came down to clutch moments, Derek Jeter performed, and that's what matters in Yankeeville. We could care less about the regular season. That's just, that's just background noise. Okay, if you win MVP, yeah, okay. Thanks, Alex. You know, um, But when you get to the playoffs – and it's in the extra innings, and you can belt a home run. You will be loved. And Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone's still riding that wave. Game 7, 2000, what was it, 2003, ALCS. Aaron Boone hits a freaking towering shot to left upper deck. You know, he's still, that's how he became a manager. Because just, oh, yeah, that guy hit the home run game. Yeah, okay, all right, you're in. You know, it's just, it's. You know, that, that's how it is in Yankeeville, man. We just, we love our playoff performers we love it and if you can't do it man you're not you're just not going to be loved i mean alex rodriguez had that one good playoff year but he's a regular season performer that's why people are not he's not beloved i mean as a yankee fan i'll say it. we i don't look at him as a real yankee you know um people say that kind of stuff about roger maris is kind of bullshit but anyways I'll get back on to baseball with Anton. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. Um, but anyways, I just, yeah, we need to take a little turn away from the politics crap. I want to get into sports because I love sports. I'll get more in depth at some point on different things going on. But anyways, thank you guys for listening. Um, give me some feedback, man. I need it. Come on. Get on that Facebook page, man. Like, share, subscribe, do whatever. Spotify, Apple, you know where I'm at. This is no mystery. The hell else are you doing, man? Don't tell. Oh, I got time to share it because I'm busy. Like you're on your phone. It literally takes your thumb to do bank, 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 and that's it. You shared it. You're done. You're done. That's all I ask from you. Just share it, share it, share it. Come on, man. What the hell's your problem? You too good for me. Anyways, love you guys. Thank you for listening, and I'll be back with another episode of Dane Dane Bramage.